world changers. We need some. In this edition of Sunday Sermons, we explore the idea that each of us is designed to be a world changer. It's the commission that Jesus has given us. Grab a Bible. Let's begin. Looking this morning at uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, very familiar passage to all of us here today. And in a few moments, we'll look also at Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Thank you, Lord. Jesus commissioned us to be world changers. I believe that within each of us lies the capacity to change the world. Actually, I think that you and I were created for this very purpose, to be world changers. The world we think of today might be a worldwide movement. It might be something more immediate like your home, your company, your place of employment, your, your place of worship, this place. It might be your neighborhood. It might be your family. But we've been commissioned to be world changers. History's filled with world changers. Some for good, some for evil. Of course, we would put Jesus at the top of that list of world changers, but there are countless others. Famous world changers include historic names like Johannes Gutenberg, Muhammad, Buddha, William Shakespeare, long, uh, a long-lost family member of mine named Shakespeare. <laughs> he was my 10th great-grandfather's first cousin. Does that give me any bragging rights? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. St. Paul, J.S. Bach, William Tyndale, Martin Luther, Abraham Lincoln, Christopher Columbus, William Shakespeare, John Calvin, William Wilberforce, Moses, King David, all world changers. There was a spark of something in their life that they saw a better possibility, and they went to work to bring about that better possibility whether it was in the, the score of, a, of an or, orchestral piece or whether it was a political change in a government, world changers. More contemporary names include uh, Winston Churchill and Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King Jr., Abraham Lincoln, Rosa Parks, Mother Teresa, Henry Ford, William Gates, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, J.K. Rowling. Do you know that that woman who wrote those little Harry Potter stories have sold five million books? 
Whether you like her story or not, that's a world changer. This weekend, we've remembered the many unnamed who gave their lives in military service and have thereby changed the world, afforded us freedom, overcome dictators and oppressors, created better life. Recently, there are less famous names that have made a significant change in the world. Some of these names you may not even recognize, but when I tell you how they changed the world, you'll remember. It was a woman named Candy Leitner. You might not remember her name, but if I tell you the organization she started, you'll remember. Mothers Against Drunk Driving. World changer. Who began to see that because of the loss of her daughter, there was a compelling passion within her to, to make a difference that, that made it more challenging and more awareness in our culture that driving while impaired is not something anyone should do. Of course, as believers, we don't think anyone should be impaired ever, but that's another story. Uh, Todd Beamer. Do you remember his name? Some of you do. Flight 93 on September 11th. Passenger in a plane who in a phone conversation with his wife from the plane, the last thing she heard was the words, let's roll, as he became part of a team that retook the cockpit, and of course none of them knew how to fly the plane. Or his picture's probably too small to see in this little collage. Back up, go back. That's all right. But the, the bottom row, the, the second one in from the right, uh, next to Churchill, you probably can't see that. But an unnamed man standing before a tank. We simply know him as Tiananmen Square Man. Resisting government oppression. Tiananmen Square in, in China, Beijing. Then there's Frank Willis. I'm doubting any of you know his name. But, but if you're of my generation or before, you know what he did. Frank Willis was a security guard that worked in a hotel and a convention center in Washington, D.C., office building hotel slash all of those things. He noticed some tape on the lock of an outside door and he took it off. And he came back by a day or two later and he noticed that that lock was taped so the door would remain open again. And he took it off. But it set off an alarm in his mind that he shared his concern with others. And you all know about the Watergate story. Persons who make a difference. They change the world. Maybe you know the name Daryl Scott, his daughter Rachel. Daryl has become a world changer. He became a world changer because of a tragic event in his personal life and a sad statistic. And it moved him to action. The statistic this one 
I can't imagine. It, it's, it's just should never be. But 160,000 students, we're told, skip school every day for fear of being bullied. For fear of being bullied. The tragic event, his daughter Rachel was the first person to lose her life in the Columbine High School shooting. Her legacy prompted her father, Daryl, to form and found a nonprofit called Rachel's Challenge. It's one of the largest intervention programs in America, reaching millions of students and teachers every day. And by sharing Rachel's story, Daryl has spoken to over 5 million people in live settings around the world about the dangers of bullying and the need to change that culture in our schools and among our young people. That doesn't even count the number of people that have heard him speak in television appearances because he's been on countless television shows talking about Rachel's channel. His nonprofit works to improve the climate and culture in schools. And Daryl and his team now of about 50 certified leaders are changing the world by confronting the social problem of teen violence and bullying. They're leading the way to create a new culture among the students. Mike Scott, Rachel's brother said, deeper than ending bullying, it's about connecting with students and having them connect with each other. They need to feel accepted, wanted, loved, and appreciated. We all do. Boy, isn't he right. We all need to feel accepted, wanted, loved, and appreciated. So Rachel and her father are world changers. As I thought about this and I coupled all of these stories of names we know from history, and thought about this commission that Jesus gives us in Matthew 28, it's painfully clear. Painfully is probably not the right word, but obviously clear, maybe that's better. Obviously clear to me that when Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, he's commissioning us to be world changers. And so we look to the early church and begin to see how that world-changing movement began. And if we, if we turn to the book of Acts, it, it's a who's who of names of people who became world-changers. Ordinary men and women who, because of the moving of God and His Holy Spirit in their lives, did extraordinary things. You know, I can't tell you how many times in my life, I've read Acts chapter 1, read the story of all of the people waiting in the upper room, and I've read just right past the name, and it never really clicked in my brain until this week. I don't know how this is possible, and as a pastor, I probably shouldn't confess it to you, but I am. <laughs> that I just never quite caught everyone that's listed waiting in the upper room. Here's a name that I just read right past. Mary, mother of Jesus. 
How many of you knew, and I know you're all going to hold up your hands, <laughs> how many of you knew Mary was in the upper room waiting for the promise that Jesus had given? Yeah, see, I knew I shouldn't have confessed. <laughs> A world changer. A, a young teenage girl who encountered an angel and began to change the world. And of course, if you continue reading through the book of Acts, you have names like Peter, and Barnabas, and Stephen, and Tabitha, and Lydia of Thyatira, Saul who became Paul, Priscilla and Aquila, Damaris. All of these people are world changers. Jesus' commission is for you and me to be world changers. So how do we do that? How do we become world changers? Let me share with you a few ideas of, of how I think we become world changers. One is that we accept the call. We accept the call, the nudge, the, the tap on the shoulder of the Holy Spirit as he speaks to us about becoming a world changer. But that might mean that, that we have to work on our thinking about ourselves a little bit. Authors Rosamund and Benjamin Zander talk about how the assumptions we make restrict our thinking and therefore limit our possibilities. So let me ask you, can you think of a time in the last week or so when faced with something, some sort of challenge, that, and you felt you couldn't do anything about it? You didn't have a solution for the problem? Is it possible that you can shift your thinking and beliefs to a new thought that sets you free to discover solutions? As the Zanders would say, the assumptions we make often restrict our thinking and therefore restrict our possibilities. One of the assumptions that we often think is, well, I can't be a world changer. I'm not Paul. I'm not Mary, the mother of Jesus. I'm not even Priscilla or Aquila. How could I be a world changer? And I say to us, that's a thought that has to change. Jesus didn't give this commission in Matthew chapter 28 and said, some of you are going to go change the nations. The rest of you are just going to sit around and watch. No, he said, go, make disciples. That's a command to all of us. If you want to adopt a world changer mindset, you will have a greater control over your ability to begin changing your world. But you have to have hope. You have to have belief and faith in yourself. You see, it, it starts with us. We must first believe that we can be world changers. Can we do that? Can you believe that? Well, the answer is yes, you can but you might have to overcome what Zig Ziglar used to talk about when he said, you gotta eliminate the stinking thinking and have a checkup from your neck up. We have to start with ourselves. 
we may need to make some personal changes in order to become world changers. It's helpful for us to think through why people change. Here's one reason why people change. People change when they hurt enough that they have to. I think this is Daryl Scott. He was hurting so much uh, in, in a way that no parent ever wants to hurt at the loss of his daughter. And he was hurting enough that he said, I'm sure first to himself, something has to be done. We can't allow this problem of bullying in our schools to go unchecked. Something's got to be done. And he, he hurt enough that, that he began to look for and find and now has discovered ways to bring about change. But from time to time, and from the time we were children, and we first began making choices, we have usually, almost universally, instinctively moved away from pain in order to avoid it. But one of the things world changers learn is that instead of moving away from pain, that, that there's a better response. And that better response to pain is for us to change so that we are no longer hurt by it. For us to look at the pain and say, what can I learn from this? And how can I change in order to address the pain that I'm feeling? People are also inspired to change when they see enough that they are inspired to. Certainly others have inspired us. That is leadership in action. Others inspiring us can help us change things we need to change. And as we inspire others, or others inspire us, we can inspire others to begin to change. It's a chain reaction. Here's another time people change. People change when they learn enough that they want to. When you believe there's nothing you can do about a problem, it's de disheartening and demotivating. But when you begin to learn how you can take steps to start making a difference, it propels us to action. There are many ways to approach a problem or a challenge or to address this commandment that Jesus has given us. And we begin to look for new steps that we can take to expand our influence and our impact so that we can become world changers. And of course, the beginning of that world changing is to help hearts connect to Jesus, to make disciples. Last one. People change when they receive enough that they're able to. The world's not looking for more dreamers. It's looking for dream makers. Brad Montague is the guy who came up with the, the videos in the TV show, Kid President. Maybe you've seen some of those little videos about Kid President. And he says in those videos, dare to dream, but please do. For dreamers are many, but doers are few. In other words, 
We change when we receive enough that we're able to, and, and we quit looking and thinking that something should change, and, and we begin to realize that that something that should change is the compelling call that God has put in our heart to force us and move us. Well, he doesn't force us, but he invites us to do something about the needed change. When you've received enough, it's time to start doing. I mentioned earlier that you have to have hope for yourself. We have to believe that we can be world changers, whether it's just changing the world of the people who live in our homes so that life is better, or whether it's to lead a, a larger movement of people. We have to have hope. We need to have hope for others that they can change. The changes you make within yourself will give confidence and credibility and hope to help others. My mentor calls that being a hope helper. We wanna be hope helpers. Being a hope helper requires you to focus on, uh, on positive changes that you can create, not the negative situation you want to eliminate. Brian Tracy is a well-known speaker across our country. One of the things he says that's so absolutely correct is change your thinking, change your life. Change your thinking, change your life. So the place to begin in changing the world is to accept this call, this nudge that God brings our way. When you have hope for a better future, it keeps you wanting to work to make a difference. As you see a difference happening, your hope expands and you develop a great sense of urgency for making an even greater difference. So where do you find that hope? I'll tell you where I found it. I found it in some verses of the Bible long ago that God just impressed in my heart. And they have become for me life verses. They've become for me some of those old friends that I've talked to you about in recent months. These are my favorite old friends that have been a part of my call of, of how God wants me to spend every day he gives me. And you see Matthew 28, 18 through 20 there. I won't quote that again, we've, we've read it. But how about Ephesians 2, 8 and 9? For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works. It's an old friend that has guided my life. Acts 1, 8, you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 2 Timothy 2, 2, I wish I had been more fruitful in bringing this one to pass, but it's still one of my old friends. And the things you have heard and received and learned from me and trust are reliable men who will be also be qualified to teach others. In other words, create a chain, pass a legacy. Don't let things just die with yourself. These are my old friends. What are your old friends? What are the verses that God has put in your heart that just give you direction for life, that over and over and over again, 
you can come back to them and they help you answer the question of, okay, now God, what next? Because you have some of those old friends. They'll be different than mine. Maybe some will overlap, but yours will be different. What are your old friends that guide your life? And if your answer this morning is, Pastor, I'm not sure. I have a little prescription for you. It's simple. Read the Bible. And as you read it, the Holy Spirit will just percolate up to the top some of these verses that, that just capture your heart, give you direction. But the first step to becoming a world changer, accept the call. Begin to believe that God could use your life to make the world a better place. Even if it's just for one person. But sociologists tell us that we always impact more than one person. Matter of fact, they tell us that across the course of a lifetime, even the average person, the average person will influence 10,000 other people. Now, you're not average. You're above average. Whether you're nine or 99, there's still time to influence the world, to be a world changer. Second thing, leverage your gifts to be a world changer. You know, when I think about those Old Testament personalities, I go back and I think about what was it about them that helped them get involved in this Jesus movement that has so changed the world. As a matter of fact, it changed the world so much and so rapidly that the early Christians were accused of turning the world upside down. Read the book of Acts, it's in there. You know what? I think we need to be spading some new ground and turning the world upside down again, don't you? There are some things that need shifted, need changed. There are some disciples that need to be made. There's influence for Jesus that needs to be leveraged. And how do we do that? We use our gifts. Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 3 and down through verse eight, and I'm reading from the voice translation. Because of the grace allotted to me, I can respectfully tell you not to think of yourselves as being more important than you are. Devote your minds to good, sound judgment, since God has assigned to each of us a measure of faith. For in the same way that one body has so many different parts, each with different functions, we too, the many, are different parts that form one body in the anointed one. Each of us is joined with one another, and we become together what we could not be alone. Since our gifts vary depending on the grace poured out on each of us, 
It is important that we exercise the gifts we have been given. If prophecy is your gift, then speak as a prophet according to the proportion of faith. If service is your gift, then serve well. If teaching is your gift, then teach well. If you have been given the voice of encouragement, then use it often. If your giving is your gift, then be generous. If leading, then be eager to get started. If sharing God's mercy, then be cheerful in sharing it. Love that translation of those verses. But you get the gist of what, of what Paul was teaching the church at Rome and thereby the Holy Spirit is teaching us today. Though we are different, we are one body. And in our coming together as one body, each with our own varying different gifts and passions and personalities, skills and abilities, we become world changers. Your gifts are what the people of the world need to reach their fullest potential. When you serve others, you help them grow, and you grow yourself. Back to those personalities of the book of Acts. And I began thinking about, well, what are their gifts? What is it that, that made them just right to help that fledgling church get established to the point that we're still here 2,000 years later? And I thought about Mary, she identified her gift in the very first encounter she had with the angel Gabriel. She said, I am the Lord's servant. And she saw herself as a servant to be used by God. She didn't imagine herself being lifted up as anything beyond the one who can sit by and serve and, and just help and make a difference. Barnabas? Well, there's a couple of things that, that I think that we learn about Barnabas in the, the book of Acts. One, he was called son of encouragement. So certainly he was opening his mouth and encouraging as uh, Romans 12 reminded us. But the scripture is also clear that says he was a person of great faith. And even more, he surely had the gift of giving. Remember how he sold his property and brought the money to the church to help people? Well, what about Peter? Well, he was the one that stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached the very first uh, big sermon of the church. So I think maybe he had that gift of prophecy. What do you think? He also had the gift of leadership. But it had to be developed, remember? Because when, when he first started uh, being called forward by Jesus, he, he was kind of shy and at one point or more, kind of cowardly. But yet, when the Holy Spirit came, he was transformed and he became such a great leader that we know him today. Paul, the missionary of cross-cultural uh, missions. There's a woman named Damaris in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 17, she appears in one verse in the entire Bible. 
So we don't really know a lot about her, but we know what her name meant. Damaris meant a little woman. And yet that little woman made such an impact that Luke, when he wrote this book, included her name. Something about her was a world changer. When we get to heaven, maybe we can ask her. Priscilla and Aquila, we could go on. God's given us gifts. We have to use them. And as we use those gifts, those skills and abilities, we become world changers. What if you could change the world for even one person? Even if it was just one. I think that would be worth it, don't you? As I thought about this, I remembered my dad. I remember, uh, oh boy, I, I probably wasn't even 10 years old when he started taking me to work with him. And as I worked through uh, high school, college, even as a young adult, even for a while after Linda and I were married, worked uh, for and with my dad, he always wanted to teach me trades. Nobody in our family had ever been to college, and, and I'm sure he just thought I would follow that line and I'd figure out something in, in the trades. And of course, he loved carpentry and that was his business. And so he wanted me to learn that. And, be in business with him and God had other ideas and I liked God's idea better. <laughs> but I remember at his funeral, there was, there was a, a moment in the funeral when uh, Don, my friend who, who preached his funeral, invited others to come if they just wanted to share a word about dad. And you know, I knew this little period of time where, where I worked for my dad and there were a few other high school, college age guys that, uh, mostly from my church, that we would work together and do some jobs. But my dad, who uh, never wanted to be in the limelight, wouldn't even usher at church because when he walked down the aisle, his knees would pop and he was embarrassed by it. But, it, but that day, grown man after grown man stood up to talk about the trade my dad taught him. You see, there had been a whole line of, of young men who followed me. I didn't know anything about it. He changed the world. Oh, his name won't be in history books. Society doesn't know him as a world changer. But I can name a dozen men who would say he was. Because he used his gifts. And he shared them to make the world a better place. What are you doing with your gifts? Use them, leverage them.
you can be a world changer. Not so that you get accolades and pats on the back, though you will someday. But because the world we live in needs to be a better place. You know, we just haven't been happy about the way things have been going. None of us. It's time for change. How's that change going to happen? It's not going to happen in the seat of politics. It's going to happen by people who look and see and say, something's wrong, something needs to be different, something needs to be changed, and they hear the tap or, or feel and experience the tap of the Spirit in their life that says, you're the one to do something about this. And we become doers. And we make a change. One last thing quickly. We live out our values as a world changer. We live out our values. How, how do we bring about world changing transformation? Well, let me show you some images. I, I think I've shown these to you before, but I want to show them to you again. How does, how does this world, world changing transformation happen? One, it, it begins in this image of a waterfall. It happens as a person begins to experience the possibilities of what could be and begins to work to change the world. And so it starts from the top down as, as a, water flow, a waterfall flows down. But then the next image reminds us that there's also a ladder. <laughs> and the ladder is those of us who, who want to see this transition, this change, this transformation, we hold the ladder so that others can go up the ladder and begin to find the mobility that helps transformation happen. It happens with the heart, a heart that requires values, and we're going to come back to this one. It happens because people join together, the shaking of hands, the joining of hands, side by side. It desires partnership. Remember that chapter in the section from Romans 12 where we all come together. It's the working together. It's a team implementing strategy. And then a table. As few become many and, and we begin to grow. And, you know, in the church, that idea of tables is, is the, the small groups that we have where we, we sit together in smaller groups and we get open and transparent and vulnerable and we, we learn from each other, we encourage one another, we hold one another accountable to live out the life of Jesus. And then as we do those things, we build a bridge. A bridge that takes us from where we are to where we want to be. Those images help us begin to see how we go about becoming world changers. But it, it begins with those values, that heart. It begins with us and what's inside of us. Look at this list of different values. I don't know if you can read it. 
Yeah, maybe you can. I can't read that one, but maybe you can read that one. Look at those. And it's not an inclusive list. There are others. There are more. But which of those, which of those are on your list of, I want to be this? <laughs> Make up your life. Gratitude, love, personal growth, priorities, kindness, forgiveness, servanthood, self-worth. Take a moment and look at those values. Which of them would you like to apply to your life more deeply in order to improve your life? Keep looking at that as I share a story. Talked to you a few moments ago about Daryl and Rachel Scott. About three weeks before Rachel died, she had done a class assignment at school where she was to take some ideas and some concepts and put them together in what she called her code of conduct, her codes of life. In other words, what were the values that she was gonna live by? And after she died, her family found six journals and this essay. And they became an opening to understand what, what Rachel's life was about. And, it, and it's a lot of what prompted her father, Daryl, to do what he's doing. And I wanna read for you her codes of life. It's a little long, about 500 words but I thought about editing it, but I just want to read the whole thing. So listen closely. Hopefully I can get through this. Ethics vary with environment, circumstances, and culture. In my own life, ethics play a major role. Whether it was because of the way I was raised, the experiences I've had, or just my outlook on the world and the way things should be, my biggest aspects of ethics include being honest, compassionate, and looking for the best and beauty in everyone. I have been told repeatedly that I trust people too easily. But I find that when I put my faith and trust in people when others dare not to, they almost never betray me. I would hope that people would put that same faith in me. Trust and honesty is an investment you put in people. If you build enough trust in them and show yourself to be honest, they will do the same in you. I value honesty so much and it is an expectation I have of myself. I will put honesty before the risk of humiliation, before selfishness, and before anything less worthy of the gospel truth. Even in being honest and trustworthy, I do not come off cold and heartless. Compassion and honesty go hand in hand, even if each of is put into every situation, if enough of each is put into every situation. I admire those who trust and are trustworthy. Compassion is the greatest form of love humans have to offer. According to Webster's Dictionary, compassion means a feeling of sympathy for another's misfortune. My definition of compassion is forgiving, loving, helping, 
leading and showing mercy for others. I have this theory that if one person can go out of their way to show compassion, then it will start a chain reaction of the same. People will never know how far a little kindness can go. It wasn't until recently that I learned that the first and the second and the third impressions can be deceitful of what kind of person someone is. For example, imagine you just met someone and you speak with them three times on brief everyday conversations. They come off as a harsh, cruel, stubborn, and ignorant person. You reach your judgment based on just those three conversations. Let me ask you something. Did you ever ask them what their goal in life is? What kind of past they came from? Did they experience love? Did they experience hurt? Did, the, did you look into their soul and not just their appearance? Until you know them and not just their type, you have no right to shun them. You have not looked for their beauty, their good. You have not seen the light in their eyes. Look hard enough and you will always find a light and you can even help it grow if you don't walk away from those first impressions. I'm sure that my codes of life may be different from yours, but how do you know that trust, compassion, and beauty will not make this world a better place to be in and this life a better one to live? My codes may seem like a fantasy that can never be reached, but test them for yourself and see the kind of effect they have in the lives of people around you, you just may start a chain reaction. Pretty impressive words from a high school student, wouldn't you say? And it's in that legacy of her codes of life, she called it, her ethics statement, that she became a world changer We too can be world changers. Discover your call, your unique contribution. Line up your passions and your gifts and your values. For God calls us through his son Jesus to go make disciples of all nations. That's world changing. That's world changing. And our world needs it. Mother Teresa is quoted as saying, I can do what you cannot, and you can do what I cannot. Together, we can do great things. Isn't that true? Together, we can do great things, even us. Together, can do great things. Let's be world changers.